What we're going to do, this, this is a session about how the students you serve and the children you parent are smart in eight different ways. You are also smart in all eight ways, and so are adults you serve. So I respect that this is a, a seminar for those of you who work with children. However, I am curious, how many of you stayed who work with teenagers? Did anybody? Yeah. And how many of you work with adults? And how many of you wonder if you're smart? Did you come for you? Are you like... Like, I don't know if Dr. Kathy's right that we all have eight smarts. So what we're going to do is, I only have 40 minutes, and so I'm going to really go quickly through the eight. You have a handout that defines each of the eight for you. I've been asked, unless I misunderstood Chris, I believe, Chris, you wanted me to do a little bit of evangelism with each of the eight. So I'm going to actually show you how to present the God of the Bible to a person according to how they are smart. What I believe is that the, you know, God is the relevant God. Everyone needs God, right? Everyone needs God of the Bible. By the way, when I'm out and about, I don't have to do it here because you guys are mature. When I'm out and about in the ministry, I always say God of the Bible. Always God of the Bible. Because they all think they are talking about the same God I'm talking about, but often they're not. We know that everyone needs the God of the Bible. And some of us present the God of the Bible the way that we find God attractive, Right? We talk about the things of God we like, but what if we talked about the things of God that somebody else needs to know, and therefore they're going to be attracted to the God of the Bible? That's what we're going to look at today. Everybody has all eight intelligences. The wrong question is, am I smart? Another wrong question is the question, how smart am I? But the better question is, how am I smart? So that's a new question for you. Some of you might remember the bully playground language of, I'm smarter than you are. Or you might have a child who comes home or a child who comes into children's church and wants to know, hey, am I smart? But the better question is the question, how am I smart? And according to Dr. Howard Gardner's research, there are eight different ways that all of us are smart. And again, we believe, of course, that this is part of God's wiring or knitting together in our mother's womb, he has chosen for us to have the eight smarts in the dimension that he has chosen for us. All of your students have all eight. Not necessarily all eight are strengths. If I did an MRI of your brain, we would be able to testify to whether or not you had a lot of brain cells in logic or a lot of brain cells in picture. All I want you to understand today in a brief 40 minutes is that every student who walks in your door and sits in your class is smart in all eight ways. Intelligences need to be awakened. How many of you work with young children five and under or have children five and under at home? Your ministry to them is awakening the brain. Don't listen today to try to figure out which of them have this smart versus that smart. When they're little itty bitty, the brain is a muscle, it's pliable, it's malleable, it's growing. And one day they're going to be this way and then another way they're going to act this way. Just be aware that it's your job to awaken all eight parts of the brain. The earlier the brain is awakened, the greater the likelihood it is a strength for a lifetime. So again, children matter. Because when we minister hope and healing to them and you play a variety of games and you do a variety of activities, you awaken the whole brain. It's a very, very powerful thing. And then, of course, notice on the slide that after the brain is awakened, it needs to be improved, strengthened, focused, and trained, again, for good and not to do harm. As somebody who's very word smart, meaning that I think with words, I can gossip, tease, name call, always want the last word, and sarcasm is my gift. How many of you can testify to what I was just saying? So we can use our smarts in evil and harmful ways or in good ways. 
What I want to do now is quickly walk you through the eight. You have a handout in front of you that defines each of them for you. When we are being word smart, we think with words. Everybody has all eight. When you and the students you serve are in the word smart part of the brain, you know it because they think with words and they talk or they write when they're excited. What's interesting about word smart is we don't need an audience. If you listen, you're frosting on the cake of life. Those of us who are word smart, we love the sound of our own voice. We love to tell stories. How many of you have found that true of you or someone you live with or the kids you serve? Um, they're not, they don't care if you listen. They're just talking up a storm, having a really good time, not aware that seven other children are trying to get their Bible work done. You know, and they're, they're causing grief in the space. So word smart people think with words when they're excited, they talk and they write. The only reason that this is number one on the handout and in my presentation is it is what I call a school smart and a church smart. Because what do we do all day in school and what do we do all day in church? We read write, speak, and listen. So adults, young people, teens, and children who do not have a lot of brain cells in this part of their brain are stressed and they don't feel good about themselves and they drop out. Raise your hand if I'm making sense so far. Can you picture this? Yeah. Their, their kids, have any of you had a child come up to you and whispered, please don't call on me to read? Yeah, you got to honor that. Be really careful if you just spontaneously say, hey, why don't you read that or why don't you pray out loud? Some of the kids are not, you guys know that because you're the experts. It's not going to go well for them or for you. All right, now, what we're going to emphasize today, let, let, me, let me back up a second. I've written a book called Eight Great Smarts. A box has arrived. It's called Eight Great Smarts. Hundreds of ideas written for parents to help their children be smart with their smarts. The smarts are not just about learning. They're also about friendship. If you can help a child identify somebody else's smarts, they can learn how to have a relationship with them. How many of you are married to somebody opposite of you because when you dated it was really refreshing and now you're married? Um, <laughs> you know, but like if I want to get, I'm not very picture smart, number three, but one of my best friends is, so I go to art museums with her to honor her and I become more picture smart because Andrea helps me understand that that thing on the wall is art. Do you guys get that? So you can learn a lot about people. This is not just about studying. This is also about careers. You can find a career fit according to how you are smart. If you know that our, our adults who are underemployed or unemployed or young people trying to find their, their place in life, it works for that. Um, it works for behavior. Like I've already said to you, we misbehave out of our strengths. So if somebody says, Kathy, how do I figure out which of my kids are smart in these ways? Do they gossip? Do they tease? Do they name call? Do they always demand the last word? Do they talk over your talking? Word smart gone bad. And that's why they need self-respect, respect for others, and self-control. Um, these, these smarts can also help us process emotions. And they also have a lot to do with spiritual development. So I, I wanted to point that out. It's also for those of you who homeschool, and you probably know this, but this is a huge idea for curriculum as well. In fact, those of you that are teaching Bible in the church, you can choose methodology that will fit the smarts of your kids. If you have the majority of your children, let's say that in your 830 worship service and you're, you're corralling the children and the majority of them are music smart, it's okay for you.
you to spend more time worshiping than at the 10 o'clock service when you have fewer kids who are interested in worship. Raise your hand if I'm making sense. I'm not saying you have to do that because maybe the 10 o'clock kids should worship more to develop their, their, their music smartness, but these are things that you have a right to do. Now, since I've kind of introduced that, let me, let me talk with you about this idea that spiritual development is a possibility. God is smarter than we are, amen? And uh, we can evangelize according to how uh, children are smart. And so as you can see on the handout, for each of the smarts, I'm going to tell you what you can use and what you can ask that I think might work for this. For instance, for word smart children, use different translations of the Holy Word. They're, they're young, they're seven. But read it out of NASAB and read it out of the New King James and read it out of the ESV and read it out of... Um, the message. And I'm going to show you a Bible in just a minute that you might want to purchase from us. So use different translations. Define the words. Define love the three different ways. When I read you Psalm 139 and I said that fearfully made is the same fear as the Old Testament fear God. Word smart people love that kind of stuff. And you're thinking, but Kathy, they're only nine and they're impatient. But you will get them to be patient when you tickle their ears with the stuff that they enjoy. Am I making sense? And so the names of Christ and the names of God are absolutely, if I were witnessing to somebody who did not yet know Jesus, and I knew that they were word smart by hobby or career or by just hanging out with them, I absolutely would talk about the names of Christ. Redeemer, Savior, Lord. I would talk about the attributes because words are powerful. And then a question I would ask is, what do you want to talk about? If, how many of you word smart people are like, yes! In fact, how many of you wish that this seminar was set up so that every 15 minutes I would be quiet so you could turn to your neighbor and talk? That would be pretty typical of both the word smart and the people smart people in the room. So just ask your children, ask your teenagers, based on the lesson, based on the DVD, based on the song we sang, what would you like to talk about? Or you could say, what are you thinking about inside your head that you wish we had time to talk about, but we don't? <laughs> Hello. You can honor them. So that's a very quick look at word smart. Now, the second intelligence on my list is logic smart. And you can see from the slide that these children, when you are being logic smart, you think with questions. And when you are excited by something, you ask more questions. How many of you have kids like this in your classes, right? You know, you're finished, but they're not. <laughs> you know, they're asking, but, you know, why is this guy blue? And why is his name Daniel? Why did God make an octopus? We don't have time, but I just wanted to know. Well, go look it up, but I wanted to know, right? Oh, don't you love those kids? Not really. Um, <laughs> that uh, something not to do is say, we don't need to know that. You know, in fact, when I interview kids, what's one of the most painful things a teacher's ever said to you? One of the most common answers is, well, my question wasn't important. And they said, that's not important. And they'll say, but Dr. Kathy, lady, it was important to me or I wouldn't have asked it. So logic smart kids, again, misbehavior looks like curiosity. By the way, curiosity is a genius quality. I don't have time to go into that. But there's 12 genius qualities as well, which is fascinating. Uh, John Hannigan's wife, Melissa, is writing a new book on that. So hang out with us so we can continue to feed you uh, good information. But curious kids with a lot of questions can be a handful and a half because you don't have time. Because you have 28 fabulous kids and you have you know, 17 minutes left, and I get that. 
But you don't say you don't need to know and that's not important. You say, I'm so glad you want to know and that is important to you and I'm going to write it down so that I can remember to help you find the answer later. That would be so honoring if you would do that. If you have old enough kids, have another kid be the, the secretary of the week. And hey, Jonathan, would you write down Elizabeth's question to help me remember to answer it for her later? This is a school smart and a church smart. Again, it's number two only because what do we do all day in church and traditional schooling? We ask and answer questions. And so kids who come into your classes with a lot of these brain cells are going to enjoy the question and answer time. How many of you have question and answer time and half your kids are looking down, coughing on purpose, praying to God you won't call on them? All right, these are kids who are probably not very logic smart, not very word smart, don't trust you uh, to play the game fairly. In the academic world, these are the kids who love math and science. They love to discover on their own. By the way, my brother Dave who's a clinical chemist with somewhat of a world reputation, became a chemist because when he was 10, grandma and grandpa gave him a chemistry set. Our grandparents must have discerned that Dave was a curious inventor, creative discoverer kind of a guy. And his 10th birthday present was a chemistry set. And our parents allowed him to make messes at the kitchen table. And my brother, if he were here, PhD, postdoctorate, world-renowned, inventive of something, COVID-19 world, worldwide task force, would tell you, a toy awakened in me, the smart that God chose for me to have. And so take seriously on the, the things that you do with your kiddos because it really, really can matter. Again, one of the reasons, by the way, one of the reasons spelling is a challenge for me, as I mentioned to you earlier today, is I'm very logic smart. I want the rules to work. <sighs> so what's interesting about that, when I teach this to children, I explain that something is a challenge for me because of how I'm smart. Not because I'm stupid. Now that'll preach, right? Now again, I'm, I, I'm here with a specific purpose, so let me get back to this evangelism idea. I actually came to faith in Christ for his wisdom. I came to faith in Christ when I was 19, having a lot of questions after I roomed with a girl of a different faith in college and got confused and wondered, wondered why they do it so differently in her church. And praise God that my pastor answered my questions or I would not be. Well, I believe God might have rescued me a different way. But logic smart kids, you need to use for them explanations. They, they need a greater explanation, a greater description, a greater definition. Logic smart children are not easily satisfied by I just said so. How many of you are with me here? Like if you're logic smart and somebody says because I said so, does everything in you scream that, is, that does not satisfy me? And then the anger possibly rises up. Um, Cross-references. These are the kids who, you know, not only does it say, like, love one another is in the holy, accurate word of God 17 times in the New Testament. You know, God is named faithful in the Old and the New Testament. Did you know that? God is compassionate and so is Jesus. So cross-referencing, you know, if there's a, a quote-unquote story told in all four Gospels, they want to know that. By the way, when I was 19 years old, coming to faith in Christ, I actually said to my pastor, why do we call them stories if they're true? That's how a logic smart mind works. You know what else I said? No joke. Why do we call them characters if they're real people? Bible hero, men and women who lived in the time when Jesus walked on earth. Men and women who are examples of faithfulness. Don't call them characters. Cinderella is a character. Now, some of your kids are going to be, what? 
But how many of you logic smart people are like, preach it, sister, right? Because we do some things that make the Bible sound no different from Cinderella. And if you've got a lie, or Santa Claus, oh, that'll preach. And I'm not going to get into the, is, you know, do I let my kids believe in Santa? Then why would they believe in Jesus? That, again, we're not going to go there, although I just went there. That was really foolish. Um, uh, two questions that I think are good to ask to get the logic of my kids to engage with you. What else do you want to know? I can almost guarantee you that logic smart people are super curious and always, what else do you want to know? Now, if your kids are old enough, you say, go find out on your own or go ask daddy to help you. And the second question that honors logic smart people is, did anything confuse you and how can I help? Now, I don't think anybody likes being confused, but I can pretty well guarantee you that logic smart people hate it. Logic smart people love reason and order and clarity. And so um, if, you see a log if you see any child with that quizzical frustration, if you can make the time, and you do teach children, you don't teach content. You teach children, you don't even teach Bible. You teach children. And it doesn't matter to me if your curriculum said that you should read those three pages. You get one done, but you got it taught and not covered. I'd rather do that. I'm not the superintendent, so I can say that. Um, <laughs> All right. How many of you are making sense so far? Am I doing all right? So everybody has all eight. What I'm trying to explain to you is that this is why not everybody likes the lesson, not everybody likes the craft, not everybody likes the song, and not everybody has the same question, and not everybody cares about the God that you care about. If you only present the God of the logic, and the kid isn't logical, you're going to lose an opportunity to talk about Jesus because they don't think they want or need that God. So that's what we're talking about here. The third, and now the order is irrelevant. The order was re irrelevant only for the first two because those are what I call school and church smarts. Now the order is irrelevant. Let me ask you a quick question. How many of you know people who were very successful in school and are flunking life? Could I have your hands? How many of you know the opposite? School was really hard and life has been easy. Yeah, that means all eight matter. That's evidence that all eight matter. Some of them matter greatly for honor roll and college acceptance, if you will, and getting the right job. Others of them matter in life. And God did not call us to have an abundant school experience. He went to the cross that we would have an abundant life, and that means that all eight matter. The third one is picture smart. These are the children who think with pictures in their eyes, and they, when they're excited, they add to their pictures. This is a reason that spelling is a challenge. I'm not very picture smart. I don't remember what the word looked like the last time I saw it. T-I-O-N, S-I-O-N, S-U-N, and there should only be one spelling for that sound, and then I get angry. So are you with me there? So spelling is a challenge because of how I'm smart logic, how I'm not very smart picture. You can begin to have compassion for your children when they struggle with this or with that. Now, picture smart children are imaginative up in their head. They think with pictures on paper, and they think with pictures in their head. They know what Jesus looks like. Because when they prayed, they have seen him. How many of you? Raise your hand if that's true of you. I mean, do you have, see, because I'm not very picture smart, I have not seen Jesus when I pray. But I'm a solid believer. It's just not the way my brain works. You guys with me here? Now, you could say to all of your children, can you see, like, what was the look on Jesus' face when the children praised him? It's so precious, boys and girls, that the other learned people wanted the children to be quiet. But Jesus receives the praise of the children. Show me how his face probably looked, would you? Now, every child is capable of that. 
if given time to do it, the ones who are picture smart, logic smart, would have automatically been doing that in their mind because they would have been thinking and then creating the picture. So what do we use with these kids? We use art on the wall. We give them a chance to sketch and doodle. We take them to a Christian art museum like we have in Dallas, Texas. We show them um, the, the stained glass windows in the church and why they are designed the way that they are. And then we ask the question, what did you see? When I read that passage, what did you see? Can you describe to me the tree? Let's go outside and let's see if there's any tree outside that looks like the tree in your mind that Nicodemus climbed. Those are questions that will honor the picture smart people. I'm going to ask you to uh, pay attention for just a, a few minutes. I, we sell a Bible, and I'm, I'm not giving you just a commercial. I'm going to make a point, but this is a commercial. I don't believe you will mind. This is the book of Exodus. Oh, ignore that Booth 305 thing. This is... Um, the book of Exodus in the Picture Smart Bible Junior. The Picture Smart Bible is a color your way through the Bible to get the main themes, people, events, and places of the book. It's a biblical worldview Bible because you will know at the end of the Bible why every book was in the Bible. Why did God bother putting Exodus in the Bible? What do you learn there? It is a curriculum. It tells you what supplies you need. It tells you the key. I don't like the word characters. It tells you the concepts and it orients you to the theme of the book. And you don't have to be an illustrator. You're not a theologian because you are given a script right out of scripture. And then you don't have to be an artist because it's already drawn for you. There's the book of Daniel for the little kids. And you can see that it's kind of a dot to dot and they fill it in and they color along with you. And there's Daniel for the bigger kids. Eventually. There you go. So that's Daniel in the picture of our Bible. So we spell, we spell, we sell the Picture Smart Bible Junior, and the Picture Smart Bible. And we have a really amazing opportunity for you as a church. You can purchase the Bible with a church license, and you can print it out and run it for your parents or your children as many times as you want. Look at the book of Ruth. Isn't that beautiful? Now, how many of you are overwhelmed by that? Because I'm not very picture smart, so I can be really overwhelmed by that. But here's the thing. You create it slowly over time, so it's not overwhelming. And because it uses a part of my brain I don't naturally use on my own, it actually is very effective for me. I have a better memory of the book at the end. There's the book of John I Am. Can you see the bread of life? See the piece of bread? So Dan Peters, a brilliant theologian and artist, has created the Bible for you. And uh, please talk to John uh, Sorry, please talk to John or me if you're interested. Um, you can buy it for yourself as a family at a, at a price point, or you, we could sell you a church license. You could recommend your parents use it. What if the sermon series, what if Pastor was going to start a sermon series about John, and what if for two weeks prior to that you colored the book of John with your kiddos? Yeah, because it's the main points, theme, events, and places of the book of the Bible. So go check it out. We have some samples that you can look at, and then we'll ship it to you. Um, because they're heavy, we don't, we don't tend to travel with them. If you have any questions, please let me know. John will talk, to the, talk with you about the prices. All right, you okay? All right. Now let's keep going. So Music Smart is number four, and these are kids who think with rhythms and melodies, and they make music. How many of you have these kids in class? Because they make music. They don't know it, right? How many of you kids who hum? You're humming. I am not humming. No, you're humming and it's bothering the other children. I'm not humming. No, you're humming. I'm not humming. You're humming. They don't even know it. How many of you are word smart and you can talk and you do not know you're talking? <laughs> the brain is a powerful 
engine, which is why we all need self-respect, respect for others, and self-control. These are the kids who turn uh, pencils into drumsticks and toes into toe tappers and all those kinds of things. Now, obedience is always right, so I'm not asking you to just forgive their behavior. Oh, Dr. Kathy said they're smart. I better not paralyze it. So you can paralyze the brain. It's a muscle. Again, if I would have been raised, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet, my brain might have atrophied in my young years and I would not have developed the gifts that I have. So we do need to be careful, but we also have something called good old-fashioned obedience and you must listen and be quiet. But we just need to understand that they behave the way they behave because of the way that they're designed to be. You know, one of the challenges of a family is choosing a church, right? Now, you guys work at a church, so hello, choice is made. But, you know, a family comes in and they, they're looking for a new church, and they've got a, a music-smart fourth grader who wants worship to be really cool. They've got a ninth-grade logic-smart who wants to think during the sermon. They have a, a mom who's picture-smart and wants a pretty sanctuary. And is looking at the wall going, what color is that? I'm not making that up. Very interesting to interview your people based on these kinds of smarts. So again, music smart people, rhythms and melodies, music is important. So we can use, hello, we can use instruments. We can use the glockenspiel. We can let a, a girl who plays the flute in the sixth grade come in and play How Great Thou Art, one verse on the flute. We can talk about the Old Testament and New Testament use of instruments. We can talk about the clanging gong and the, and the trumpet that will one day sound. Now, all children benefit from knowing that, but children who are music smart are going to, wait, wait, there's a trumpet in the Bible? I play the trumpet. Well, yeah, God's created you creatively, and look. And then, of course, worship, right? Like, worship. How many of you have been met in worship Sometimes more often than in the sermon. Is that relevant for some of you? My first, so I was raised in church. I played about 20 instruments. My first instrument was the piano and then the viola. And when I was 12 years old, I was in front of this, the congregation on the, on the stage, if you will, playing How Great Thou Art, 12-year-old unsaved. And How Great Thou Art had the lyrics under the, the music. And I remember, I had been practicing it with my teacher forever, but on Sunday morning, in front of my church, next to my pastor, playing on Great Art, it dawned on me that I think those lyrics are true. And one of my first encounters with the God of the Bible in a way that was impactful was through that viola song. Now, when I was at home practicing, it didn't ever enter into my, but in church on a Sunday, playing How Great Thou Art, it was like, we got to take this seriously, amen? And, and we don't rush through worship. And it's one of the things I appreciate about a lot of your churches. I think you do, you tend, from what I've seen, a lot of you tend to do it really well. Um, what song have you been thinking of is a great question. You know, as we've gone through this lesson, have any of you been thinking of a song? How many of you often do? Do any of you think of how great is thy faithfulness, or how great is our God, or how great thou art, or our God is an awesome God, or, you know, name your verse, right? Name your song. But the, the pastor's preaching. Or how many of you have been in a worship set, and you're thinking, I wonder if the next song will be... Because you're thinking of a third song that would have really fit well with the first two, and then the worship pastor doesn't go there. You're like, well, shoot, you know, he didn't read my mind. Those of us who are musically gifted, more brain cells than others, will very often think in terms of um, worship and of music, and we can connect to God there really well. So that is number four. All right, looking at the clock. You all doing all right? Okay, sweet. 
Have you discovered you're more, you're more intelligent than you thought you were? Anybody? These are, these are amazing truths. It's, it's, I, I love teaching this, and it's fun today to teach it in a slightly different way. Now, body smart children, don't you love them? These are the kids who move when they're excited. They think with movement and touch, and when they're excited, they move and they touch. How many of you have these children? Yeah, and it's wonderful. They, they grieve with me. When I do my, my school chapels and my youth groups, or I, I do occasional camps, a lot of the homeschool events I do, I get to talk to the youth at the, at the homeschool event, and I'll often talk with them, and these young people stand in line and grieve with me and say, Dr. Kathy, I did not know that because I move well, I am smart. It has only gotten me into trouble. Are you telling me that because I move more than my brother, I am smarter than him? And then we have a conversation about, you know, other smarts, and it's not about competing. But oftentimes, these kids have been shamed. Now, let me be honest with you. Word smart, we're told to be quiet. Uh, logic smart, are, you don't need to know that. Picture smart, put your pencil down. Look at me. Body smart, would you just sit still? Music smart, stop making music. So for every smart, there's a corrective because of misbehavior, and it can sound really hateful if that's all they ever hear. These children were created by God to move when they're excited. You chose to teach. I don't know what to tell you. Um, but in my book, which is full of hundreds of ideas, I do suggest beanbag chairs and rocking chairs and clipboards and fuzzy pipe cleaners and pens that have feel. Um, and these are the kids you are allowed to let them come up and help you create the, the bulletin board. And these are the ones who pass out the milk, if you will, kind of the old-fashioned tradition. These kids may be ADHD and we may be drugging out of them the greatest channel God has given them through which they can embrace life. So we need to be very, very careful. If you have a true chemical imbalance that's pediatrician assured, I don't have a problem with the label. Labels only help if programs change. Otherwise, do not label. If you're not going to attempt to change programming, don't even get your kid assessed. That's illegal. I mean, it's like abusive to me. And if a child is from a, from a true medical diagnosis, ADHD, I don't have a problem with medicine. Don't call it a drug, call it medicine and dosage it appropriately, but also teach them obedience. A lot of these kids, though, they're not ADHD or ADD or any of the other dangerous Ds. They're body smart, and they embrace life in their whole being. They laugh with their whole body. How many of you laugh with your whole body? Any of you know what I mean? You just feel with everything. That's a, a, very, a very common body smart kind of a thing. So, they, so what do we do with these kids? And again, I respect that they can be a challenge, but we need to let them move. And I, I don't say that lightly. Some of you are in tight spaces. Some of you have 17 kids, and if you let this one move, you know, it's going to you know, cause difficulty. By the way, you can start, do you know what a fidget is? Like if you're going to do a Bible lesson and you got body smart kids and they're always fidgeting, give them a fuzzy pipe cleaner. Give them a koosh ball. Give them a, a silent um, spring toy that they can play with. In fact, give, them, give every kid a little toy that quietly they have the honor of using so they concentrate better. And then the second Sunday, hey, by the way, the, those toys are in the back. If you want one, go get one. And by the third or fourth Sunday, the only kids that will go back and get one are the kids who benefit from it. They will figure out on their own whether or not the koosh ball helps them or not. 
And body smart kids are helped by moving on purpose so they don't have to move disrespectfully as often. And we can help them with toys in a, in a children's church. Even in a sanctuary, if you have children who attend and you have maybe a, a children's kit that they're allowed uh, to have during, uh, during the service, that's a possibility, of course, as well. Um, so let them move. And then drama. Drama is really effective for these kids. Show me your face of disgust. Show me the face of joy that Jesus would have shown you if you were one of the children praising him. Stand tall like Daniel stood. Why don't we all stand and pretend that we've got the arrow? Let's pretend to be Daniel with a slingshot. Ready? We're pretending. We don't really have one. And you let the kids do it. All the kids will enjoy it and benefit from it. The body smart kids will remember that, remember that, and remember that. And dad says, what did you do? I got to pretend that I was Daniel? And daddy? Daddy, I didn't like it. I didn't like pretending to be Daniel because... When my teacher said that I was pretending to be Daniel and I felt myself beginning to like, and I was going to throw the rock, Daniel, um, Daddy, David, oh gosh, thank you. David, thank you. I'm pretending to be David, thank you, good heavens. I'm, Daddy, I didn't like being David because I don't have enough faith. Like, Daddy, I realized that it was God who helped David make that work. And, Daddy, I don't have enough faith. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a true story of a group of children who acted that out and wept with their teacher when they realized they did not have enough inner strength to make that happen. And that was the driving force for them to go deep in their journey. Isn't that interesting? They heard the lecture. They saw the DVD. They sang the song. But it was pretending to act it out that mattered. David, good heavens. Thank you, Chris. All right, moving on. You're doing all right. Let's move on. So the next one is Nature Smart. This is a no-brainer with the scripture, of course, because there's nature all over it. The Nature Smart children think with patterns. That's how they know it's a bluebird and not a blue jay, an elm tree and not an oak tree, because they have eyes to see and remember the pattern. And so remember that. And then they want to go outside when they're excited. And so that's not a bad thing to do at home or in the church if you can occasionally do that. And, of course, what can you use for these kids? Again, you could go outside. They enjoy fresh air and the sun and the wind and even the rain. They wouldn't think that this was an ugly day. They would say to me, it's just a different kind of beauty, Dr. Kathy. Um, they will attach themselves to the Creator with the capital C. All the creative stories, the Genesis 1, 2, 3... Psalm 23, Psalm 46, all the parables of the planting of the seed on the solid ground and where the weeds came up and, you know, even drawing in the sand and the sparrow that taught the lesson and, and the farmer, right, and the feeding of the 5,000 and the fish. and the, So there's so many opportunities in scripture to engage with nature smart people. The Psalms are so many that talk about the cave and the wind and things like that. Um, and, and I think a question to ask would be, how does God's creation relate to what we're studying? Now there's other questions as well. You could even say, did you notice a pattern between Galatians 1 and Ephesians 1? Did you notice a pattern? Were there any similarities? Those of us who are nature smart, this is not my strength. We look for patterns, but another question that I think is good to ask 
is, you know, we, we weren't talking about creation, but did you think of anything about God as creator that relates to this lesson that would honor the nature smart people? By the way, I'm not very nature smart. It's number seven or eight for me if I were to make a list, but I'm a member of the Fort Worth Zoo, one of the top zoos in the nation. I've been on safari twice in Africa. I've been to 30 countries. I enjoy nature. I don't need to understand it. So intelligence is have interest and ability. Interest is always first. And if interest is paid attention to, ability will rise. I come from a family that didn't spend a lot of time with nature. We didn't have pets and those kinds of things to awaken the smart. And so I'm an okay person. I just am not as nature smart as some of you would like. Moving on to people smart. People smart people, as you can see on the handout, people smart people can read other people's body language and respond appropriately. This is a really important intelligence. I'd actually make it number one. I think it's more important even than word and logic because this is how your children know when they are safe. If you are people smart, you can read body language and you can tell if someone is confused, curious, frustrated, or just having an off day. So this is how you know how to sit in a room. This is how at lunch today you're going to know as you stand in line whether or not to talk with someone or not. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You're in line at the food truck and you can read body language of that person's deep in thought. I'm going to respect that versus, yeah, I think I can have a conversation with him. People, smart people, know how to relate. They think well by thinking with other people. This is an important smart because it's being awakened later because of texting and eyes down. And we do not make children say please and thank you anymore. It's also a very important intelligence because it is the one that allows us to, to debate without arguing. It's the one that allows us to agree to disagree and not say hateful things on social media about the people who don't agree. I think we need more of this in our culture, so I would celebrate it as maybe the more important intelligence. These people get their joy from telling what they know. So word smart people don't need an audience. People smart people do need an audience. If you are like me, both word and people, you do talk all the time, sometimes to people, and sometimes you're satisfied with your own internal chatter. And you know you have one of these kids in your group. If you say, let's just spend five minutes of quiet thinking about what this means to us today. By the way, I would never do five minutes. That's like hell of silence for a child. But, you know, you could do a minute. And with no concept of time, you know, ten seconds later, Jonathan is right at your elbow. I had this really cool idea. Have I said it is time? Yeah, yeah but I have this really cool idea. Now, that's insecurity and that's fear Maybe, but it's also probably people smart. They love telling what they know. So that's a good quality. Now the opposite of that, how many of you think people smart might be in your top four, by the way? I know I'm going really fast. People smart people tend to be better teachers because you can tell someone's getting to get into trouble before they get into trouble. So this is the one that you want to improve in yourself if you have a hard time motivating others, being obedient in a situation. Now the opposite of people smart, where you think with people, Oh, I didn't do this. I'm sorry. What do we use? Um, Jesus' interactions with people. I would start there. Jesus was a master. Best teacher who ever lived. We're still teaching what he taught. Um, so I would unpack for the people smart kids in the room. Well, how, did, how would Jesus have reacted to the liar? Well, we know how he reacted. Well, how, how did Jesus handle people who were blatantly sinning out in public? How would, he th how would you think he would want you to handle that? So connecting them to Jesus as person with skin on, I think, would be really helpful. The one and others of the New Testament, there's 42 of them. 
Greet one another with a holy kiss. Do not bite and devour one another. If you're raising boys, that's in the New Testament. Um, so there's 42 one another's. Um, people, smart people, love being good with people, so they will love that instruction. Uh, the joy of, of Galatians and Ephesians and Colossians as well, perhaps. Um, small groups. These are the kids who turn to your neighbor and share one of your good ideas. Or you introduce a lesson and then you break them into a triad of three, 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 three. Now they have more opportunity to talk. That's going to really um, endear you to these people. And one of the questions to ask the people smart kids in your group is how will what you learned bless someone else? Those of us who are people smart are often thinking of others. So ask the question. How is what you learned today, how would what you learned today bless someone else? Would you like to talk to your mom about it or your dad about it? Older sister, younger brother, and put that out there, and I think they would really enjoy that. Now, let me finish this up so we have a little bit of time for questions. The opposite of that, number eight, very important. Don't let you think number eight is unimportant. Number eight is self-smart. As you can see on the handout, they think with deep reflection inside of themselves. Those of you who are self-smart, and everybody has all eight. You think deeply inside of yourself with a quiet reflection. In fact, have any of you today said, huh? Have any of you audibly gone, huh, as I've been speaking? It's kind of that, that audible, that's a, that's a self-smart attribute. Self-smart people are thinking deeply and reacting personally. In fact, those of you who are self-smart, you don't want to be called on. In many cases, you are still thinking and you don't want to be rushed. It's painful to rush self-smart people. Self-smart people need quiet, peace, privacy, and space, something you do not have. Self-smart people need quiet, peace, privacy, and space. Have any of you noticed a child who comes in and always sits alone? She might not be a loner. She might not be unfriendly. She might not be rude. She might be self-smart. How many of you come into a room and like the aisle because elbow room is important to you? But I wonder if you're also self-smart and you don't like being influenced by the people around you who you know are reacting. Raise your hand if I just said something relevant. Or you might sit in the middle, but you, you maybe like space. Because how many of you are watching somebody else write those? Wait, she wrote that down. Did Kathy say something important? I didn't write that down. What did she say that was important? If you're self-smart, you don't want to be influenced and bothered by all of that. Because why? Your thoughts are more important to you. That can be pride and ego. And by the way, I could write a book called Stylish Sin. Nobody would buy it, but I could write it about what sin we're tempted to because of how we are smart. Self-smart people can feel stupid because no question is easy. You're constantly comparing up inside your head. You get your joy from knowing what you know, not telling what you know. The self-smart people get their joy from knowing what they know. They underperform in school. You're going to underperform at work because your joy is knowing it, not necessarily teaching it. By the way, how many of you think, I'm going, I'm going quickly, but how many of you think this is one of your top four? Self-smart? This might be why teaching is hard for you. If you're a teacher, because teaching takes a lot of external energy, of paying attention to the people. And the strength of the self-smart is not recognizing facial feedback. The strength of the people-smart people is I can look into your eyes and tell if you're confused or curious. Now that's a gift from God. How many of you have it as well? I'm not the only one, yeah. And how many of you can look and you go, oh, I better call in Bethany because she's got something to say. How many of you can tell? you tell that? That's people-smart, and that's also the gift of teaching from the Spirit. 
It's also learned education. I have three degrees in teaching. There's other things that come into that, but the smarts are really, really powerful. Now, um, the self-smart people, um, planned silence works for them. They love silence. Not five minutes, but... Boys and girls, I'm going to ask you a question, and I'm going to watch my watch, and in 30 seconds, I will let you talk to your neighbor. No one is allowed to talk for 30 seconds. Now, some of the kids are going to be all praise God, she stopped talking. You know, and... Other kids are going to you know, doodle in their brain. Other kids are going to think deeply about the idea that you want them to discuss. And the self-smart people will have a better answer. If I were doing family devotions, because I believe everybody has all eight, I would do family devotions at the table or in the living room or on the floor, and we would be discussing something, and then I would say, let's scatter. Everybody find a place in the house for four minutes to think more about how this applies to your life, and I'll blow the whistle at four minutes. Go. Mom, dad, 2.5 kids, and the dog go separate. And they spend, you know, three and a half or four minutes thinking about how does this relate to my life. And they get to do that in quiet. Everybody benefits, self-smart people especially. Then they come back peripherally after the whistle is blown, and you have a better discussion. Journaling is also something more self-smart people tend to like. Have any of you women been to a conference and you were told you must journal? So you went and you bought the right journal. You bought the right Bible. You bought the right pen. You even brought the right light and you sat at the right window. And then two pages into the journal, you wish you could return it. How many of you are with me there? Yeah, journaling doesn't, it's not a sign of biblical illiteracy or Christian immaturity if you don't journal. I journal on Facebook for everyone to see because I'm more people smart. And I'm trying to influence people. And so don't let people think that, you know, this is the standard. So use journaling, perhaps. And then a question I think would be beneficial is how will what you learned help you? How will what you learned help you? Now, they may not have a quick answer because, remember, they're thinking deeply. But 30 seconds later, two days later, maybe you'll get a a call or a text from your student, or, or when you meet up with this fifth grader on Wednesdays, hey, hey, by the way, Mr. Jones, remember we were talking about patience being a fruit of the Spirit and how we weren't as good at using that one as we maybe could be, and you asked how I would benefit from learning that, and I just want you to know that when I was really frustrated with the slow kid in my math class, I remembered what we learned, and I did not say anything that made him feel bad, that it was taking him a long time. So thank you for teaching me that. Like, yes! That would be a really cool self-smart thing. So what do you think of that? Is that making sense? Self-smart? Again, these kids. By the way, it's harder to, it's harder to get to know self-smart children. Do you have kids that are hard to get to know? Self-smart children think deeply inside of themselves. And their own opinions matter more than anybody else's. And so it can be hard for them to socialize. In fact, I think a lot of self-smart people are doing internet church. Just safer for them there. And I wish we could find a way to engage with them. That slide is just to remind you that if you have both of those in your top four, it's why you've been accused your whole life of being moody and schizophrenic and in need of help. <laughs> because when you walked in this morning, the people smart part of you was most alive. And you met up with your group and everybody knew that you had arrived and you were like friendly and social. And then the more that you've learned from the people who have taught you, the more into that deep reflective state you've gone. And I wonder how this is going to work out. And I wonder tomorrow morning if I could try that. And so now you kind of come across as quiet and closed and not approachable. And people are like, what's wrong with you? No, nothing's wrong. 
Well, we're better friends. You can tell me the truth. Have I offended you in some way? Well, you're about to if you ask me that again, but you know, <laughs> not yet, right? In marriage, it can be very challenging if you're self-smart married to a people-smart. Um, so again, my book will be helpful in a lot of ways. But those are, those are the eight smarts, and I appreciate that, again, if you want to know more about learning with all eight, feel free to talk to me, or again, that's why I wrote the book. There's hundreds of ideas in there. But I really appreciate that Chris wanted me to, to talk about it more from the discussion about God kind of point of view. I'm really glad to have been able to do that. Um, we do have just a minute or two, if there's a, a quick a quick question, long answer, quick answer. Did I confuse you in any way? Let's go for it. Thank you, Chris. Thank you so much. Uh, very, very awesome stuff. Oh, thank you. So thank you for the speaker. You rock. <laughs> go for it. Thank you. So my background is education, so I'm used to being in the classroom every day with students. And, you know, you get to know their families, you get to know the kids, you know, eight hours every day, whatever. So switching into ministry now, kids' ministry, sometimes I see some of my kids once every two months. And I'm, I'm finding the challenge of how do I get to know their smarts. Sometimes I see their parents for five minutes, you know, might reach out with a phone call, but, they, you know, don't respond. How do I take the time to really um, get to know them in this way? That's a great question. How many of you found that a relevant question? I, I bet, yeah. So f thank you. So first of all, remember that, that everybody has all eight. And so you, you can look at your curriculum, look at your methodology, look at how you use your time, and see if you're doing a decent job of rotating among all eight so that you engage with the whole brain of all the children. As far as figuring out, you know, what, how can I get to know Peter better? He seems so close. What do they do in their spare time? Is a great question to help you understand the smarts. What do they spend their money on? That doesn't work for adults. We don't have a lot of discretionary money. But if a child was given a $20 bill for, for a birthday, what, what would the child buy? You know, a book, a toy for a dog, music, etc. Um, what do they like? Just, you know, what do you like? Um, at school, what do, you, what do you do best? So what do you do well? What do you like to do? What do you talk about when you talk? Ask parents what frustrates you about your kids. They talk, they move, they shake, rattle and roll, they isolate. Those kinds of things will sometimes work as well. Um, and they might not know them as well either. And you know what? If you want to teach this to your kids, you all have the handout. Uh, and you, you know, I, you're not at all an expert. I did this very quickly. You could, though, put all eight of these words up on a board and ask your kids to put their name next to the one that they think they're really good at. And see, now, self-smart kids are going to have a harder time at that. But other kids, you know, may be able to do that. Yeah. What do you do well? What gets you into trouble? What do you spend your money on? What do you like to talk about? And then just ask them. These are eight ways of being smart. Which one do you think you have a lot of?